everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to thank you for joining us again today. We're going to talk to you about something that we've been discussing this year, and that is the fact that when God led uh, the Israelite people out of Egyptian captivity, leading them to the place of promise that he had set aside for them called Canaan, there were a number of things that happened to them, and right at the beginning of their journey, God spoke to them and said, I want you to go down by the Red Sea, and I want you to camp at a particular location by the Red Sea. And it it caused them to be in a position where when the Egyptian army came after them, which God said they would, that they were in, a, in what looked like a trap. They had the uh, Red Sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. There was nowhere that they could go. Some of them thought maybe the Egyptians would just take them back to Egypt, and they might have taken some of them, but you had some very angry soldiers behind the Israelite people. In the final plague that uh, God brought upon Egypt to cause them to be set free, uh, all the firstborn of Egypt uh, died, and so uh, those people weren't looking for them just to come back to Egypt. They were looking for revenge, and so this is a terrible situation. You can imagine how they must have felt, and indeed their response was to tell Moses uh, that uh, they said in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 14, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And uh, that that was a reaction that I think we can understand if we were in that situation. They gave in to fear. Now, I want to remind you that there is a very distinct difference between being afraid and allowing fear to control us. Everyone's afraid at some time or another. When we're confronted with something like they were confronted with, it is not unusual, it would not be outside of the realm of human experience, if you will, for for them to be afraid. I believe every one of us would have looked at that situation, looked at that sea, and there was no way they could cross it, looked back at that army, and there were thousands of armed men and war chariots getting ready to come after them and destroy them, and at, at most lead a few of them back into captivity. And I think you and I probably would have acted the same way that they did. And one of the things, though, that happened with them, and it happened again and again and again, is that not only were they afraid, but fear took such hold of them that they forgot what God had done for them. Can you imagine having lived in that day and watching God do the things that he did to deliver them from captivity? I mean, he decimated the most powerful nation in the world at that time just so his people could be set free. Now, had Moses complied earlier, none of those bad things would have happened to him. God didn't do those things just because he was mad at Moses. He did those things because he loved his people, and it was time that they had to live captivity, uh, leave captivity excuse me, and move on to the land that God had promised them. You see, there was more to it than just that generation of Israelites. There was more to it than just Israel. They 
They were called to be the people through whom the Messiah of the whole world would come. God had spoken to Moses and said, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through your seed. And that seed was not just natural Israel. It was the seed of Israel called Jesus Christ who was born and at the fullness of time, the Bible says, who would bring forth uh, uh, a freedom not just for one nation, but freedom from sin, freedom from an eternity separated from God for the whole world. So it was time. God said, now is the time that they must move and take control of the land that I've given them. There were many, many reasons why they had to be in Canaan when Jesus was born. Uh, we don't have time to go into that today, but there were a lot of reasons. And so they had to get there. They had to be established there. They had to be a nation. They were not a nation at this point. They were a family that had grown to uh, most estimate between two and six million people, but it, they still were not a nation. They were slaves. They they had not governed themselves. There was no army. There was no organization. They were slaves. They didn't really know how to be a nation, and so God had a lot of work to do with them before they would take Canaan and eventually become the place where the Messiah would come into the world. So when they left, they came to this point where they were in a situation that looked like it was impossible. And their first response was that they were afraid, just like you and I. So you can be afraid today, but I want you to know something. We cannot give in to being controlled by fear. The difference between being afraid and being controlled by fear is which one are we going to respond to? Which one is going to determine our actions and not only our actions, but also our words? What are we going to choose to speak over our lives and our circumstance? Are we going to fill our mouths with the word of God or are we going to fill our mouths with the fear? Fear is going to leak out, all right? I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to say to you that you can't express that you are afraid. I am going to say that you you and I, all of us, need to understand if we're going to go where God wants us to go and be what God wants us to be, we cannot allow fear to control us. And Moses did something that on the surface could look a little bit harsh. He spoke to them, and in the old King James, it comes out slightly different than the new King James. In New King James, Moses said to the people in verse 13, do not be afraid. Now, in the old King James, it comes out as more of a command. It says, fear not. Sometimes we need to speak that way to our own mind. David said uh, that, that uh, he spoke to his soul, the Bible says, and he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And that's David speaking to his emotions, to his intellect, to his will. That's the soul. And he's saying to his soul, listen, it looks bad right now. Things all around us are going wrong, but you will bless the Lord. You will not speak that fear. You will not give in to fear. Even if some fear comes out in your words, you will not allow that to dominate you. And one of the ways that we need to get away from being controlled by fear is we need to speak the word of God. And sometimes as leaders, we need to speak the word to the people. Moses is doing what God instructs him to do. He's encouraging these people. He's strengthening them. He's rebuking them a little bit. You know, God, God does rebuke us. God does chasten us. When we get out of line with his word, he'll tell us things we need to hear and how we need to change what we're doing. And that's what Moses was doing. But Moses was also comforting them because, you know, there's a reason that they didn't have to fear. 
But when we get consumed by the circumstances, when we get consumed by what's happening to us right now, we look out on those things and we simply can't see beyond them. We forget what God did in the past. We can't see any way through the circumstance that we're in right now. And when we do that, we tend to look back. We tend to want to turn around. And they said the, it was better in Egypt than it is here. But it wasn't better in Egypt. And God had done such great things to get them out of Egypt, what would make them think that God would stop now and allow them to be overcome in the wilderness? But when we are afraid and when particularly when we give in to fear and let it control us, we don't think straight. We don't think correctly. We forget what God has done and we allow that fear to determine what we are going to do next. That's what cannot happen. And so Moses said, don't be afraid. Fear not. Stop fearing. God is still with us. He's not going to leave us here. He's not going to let us drown in this Red Sea or be destroyed by the Egyptian army. He's going to get us through to what he promised us. God had promised them Canaan. They were going to get to Canaan. They needed to trust that. Now, the second thing that God said to Moses, and I really believe that the things that he said through Moses, excuse me, to the people are important for us to hear. God is saying to us now, fear not. But the second thing that Moses said, he didn't say just fear not and leave them with that. He said, fear not. And then the second almost seems a little strange. He says, don't be afraid or fear not and stand still. Stand still. Stand still. In the middle of this situation, how can we stand still? One of the things that we usually struggle with as human beings when we're faced with a situation like this is we want to do something. We want to do something in our own strength, in the natural, to change the circumstance. But they were in that place where there was nothing they could do. And so they, the only thing they could think of was to turn around and go back. But that was not a solution. And so Moses says to them, don't don't do that. Don't think that you can go back. Don't turn around and run away. And that's the thing. It says there, stand still. But I think we could say it this way. Stand your ground. Stay where you are. Stand and don't turn back to what the devil did, to what looked good in the natural. But stand here on this ground right now because God is here with us. And so the problem was, of course, that they couldn't see the solution. Well, many times when we are faced with circumstances and situations, whether they're economic and financial, many times in our life, I'll tell you right now, we have been in circumstances where we did not know how we were going to get through to the other side. Certainly, whenever God asked us, asks us to do things uh, that require funds, we don't have a lot of resources, but we do have a God that is a provider. And when we expanded the building of the church where we are now, my son is now the pastor of that church. When we expanded that building, God spoke to us and he said, you're going to start building uh, in October and came to the middle of September and we didn't have any money. I, I was asking one of our men who was a contractor to do the exterior of the building. We live in the Northeast. It's cold. If you live in the Northeast today, you know what I'm talking about. And we needed to be able to work on the inside. But before the cold set in, we wanted to get the shell up. We wanted to get it so closed in so that we could work on the inside. And so I had determined and we had prayed about it 
and felt that God said to work in October. And I had told the man that was going to do the work that uh, we'd, we'd pay him to do that work in October to get the building closed in. It got to be the middle of September, and it was getting closer and closer to when he had to go to work. And the thing of it was, he wasn't going to take any other work. So if we didn't pay him, he didn't have a job. And I had to make a decision soon. And I stood up in front of our church and I said, here's the thing. We don't have the money to do this. We don't have anything like the money to do this. And I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. And the easy thing, the fear thing to do, and I'll tell you, I had to I had to work against that. I had to speak to my soul just like David did and say, don't be afraid, soul. We know what God said. What we need is the wisdom of God, and that's what we have to do. We need to find out what God has to say. We need to go before him and not just give in to fear, but say, okay, God, here's the situation. We've got the Red Sea of finance, uh, financial lack, not lacking the rail, really the right word, but not having any money in front of us. We've got the deadline line of winter behind us. What is it you want us to do? And that's what I stood up and I said to the people, I said, I don't really feel like we should go to the bank and borrow money. We had never borrowed money except in the very beginning, just we had a small mortgage loan when we, we bought the property and, and renovated the building that we were in. And I said, I don't really feel like that's the way that we should do this, but we don't have any money. And I don't know how to get any money. And so I, we're, we're all going to pray together. You know, if you're in a local church, you need to understand that church doesn't belong to the pastors and the leaders. That's your church. That belongs to all of you. And I said, so we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God what he wants us to do. And so we prayed that Sunday morning. I said, God, you know what, what your will is. You know what you've spoken to me. I know what you've spoken to me. And here's the situation. In their case, it was where you spoke to, to us that we're supposed to go to Canaan, but there is a giant body of water in front of us, and there is a giant army behind us, and we have no solutions. So what do you want us to do? They wanted to go back. There was a part of me that wanted to say, I guess I just didn't hear from God. I guess we're not supposed to build this addition, so I guess we'll just forget about it or maybe some other time. But God said we're going to work in October, and God said we're going to get to work on that thing during that winter period. And so we prayed, what do you want us to do? I went home and I continued to pray. The church continued to pray. And on Tuesday, it was Sunday that we made that stand, that we chose to stand still. It was Sunday that we made that stand. And on Tuesday, I got a call about a situation that I had written off as impossible. There was a, a, a person who her father was going to be releasing inheritance money to her before he died. He hadn't died yet, but for tax purposes, he was going to give his children uh, what they were going to be getting, and it would have amounted to a good bit of money, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, uh, this person that was in our church felt like the, her father had always used money to control her, and she didn't want to be under that control, so she wrote a letter saying, you know what, thank you very much, but here are all the things in my life, and it was a kind of a long letter, and why 
I, I really don't want to be controlled by that anymore, God. And she witnessed to him in that, and she uh, gave him the word and lots of other things. But the, the reaction of her father, and this was many months before we were going to have to go to work and when we needed this money now. and uh, But this time before, she had just written, written him this letter, and he wrote back saying, fine, you don't get anything. And that was okay. That was fine with her. It was fine with us. I wasn't thinking about that uh, when these things first happened. I thought when it came time to build that that might be a way God would provide, but that was over. It wasn't going to happen. And so I went home and I prayed and, and the people prayed and we were all believing God. And on Tuesday, I got a call from uh, her, uh, her husband and he said, we just got a very strange call from, our, uh, from her father's tax lawyer. And the call was that this man was going to have to give that money to his daughters or he was going to jail because he'd already claimed the benefit. He'd already filed taxes and claimed the early giving, the, the benefit of giving that money to his, his children. And so he couldn't not give it to them. And so by the time we had to go to work, this was middle of September. By the time October rolled around, we had all the money that we needed to finish the hour, not finish completely, but to close in the shell of that building, to get it up, to connect it to the current building, and have it all closed in so that we'd be able to go to work in the winter. And I want you to know that was just as big a miracle of God as God parting the Red Sea for these people. The thing of it is, I had no idea. We had no idea. What were we going to do? Now, there could have been some people, we didn't have any like this in our church, but there could have been some people that came to me afterwards and said, well, you know, obviously, Pastor, you must have missed God on this. You, we should just not be taking this risk. We should, Brother Mark, he can't, uh, he has to go find other work because, uh, you know, obviously it's just not God. If it was God, we'd have had the money. Well, we didn't have the money. And sometimes that's exactly the way the God, that God wants it, just like in the case of Israel, they were in front of the Red Sea because that's where God told them to be because he had a plan. And when he told them to go there, he said, I'm going to do something that's going to bring great glory to my name. But even more than that, he was going to take away any. The, the main thing that could bring them back to, to Egypt, and that was the Egyptian army. They had to be taken care of, and so God had a plan for that. But, you know, we know the story. We can look back and say, oh, listen, why are you guys afraid? God's going to part the Red Sea. You're going to go through on dry ground, and, and the sea's going to come and drown the Egyptian army. They'd never seen anything like that. Even with what God had done to deliver them through the plagues of Egypt, they hadn't seen anything quite like this. And so, you know, we shouldn't be too hard on them because they didn't know how God was going to do it. And we didn't know how God was going to do it. Now, thankfully, we didn't have to stand too long, and neither did they. But they had to hear Moses say, stand still, stand your ground. Don't turn around and run away. And we had to stand our ground, not turn around and give up on what God had told us to do. In your life today, you're probably facing something that you don't know how God is going to take care of. And one of the things we tend to do instead of standing and believing, now if God tells you to do something, then you do it. 
But if God doesn't say to do anything, then you stand and and the hardest thing to do is to wait for God to do whatever he's going to do. And it often looks like we're not going to make it. It often looks like we're going to go down in defeat and we're, we're going to fail to do what God said we're going to do. And there have been times where there were delays, where there were things maybe I hadn't heard quite correctly. There were times where uh, where we didn't know what was going on, and so it looked like failure. But God still requires that we stand. Now, one of the things that we need to remember about this, we're not just standing. We're not just waiting. They weren't supposed to just stand there and go, ho-hum, twiddle their thumbs, and la-di-da-di-da, and, you know, well, God might do something. We don't know what God's going to do. Sure hope the Egyptian army doesn't destroy us. Well, no, they had to stand still. They had to hold their ground but they were doing it on the basis of the word of God. God had given them a promise. Can I just tell you that 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 verse 20 says to us that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's why when we're going to stand by faith, we're going to operate by faith, we need to know the word of God because we can't stand on something that God didn't say he'd do. In the case of Egypt, again, God had spoken through Abraham. They did not have it written down as far as we know. But they certainly would have had that uh, oral tradition that would have told them they knew about Abraham. They knew about the covenant. They knew that God had said that God was going to bless Abraham's descendants. They knew that they were supposed to have a land of promise called Canaan. They knew that all that was promised to them by God. And so when they stood in the face of destruction, and it was for them destruction, ours wasn't quite that, uh, that dire a situation, but it was important to us. In their case, it was in the face of destruction, but they had the word of God. God said to them, God said to, to Abraham and was transmitted through him to them that the descendants of Abraham would possess the land of Canaan. And you know when, how do you know it's Canaan? I was dealing with this to a degree in, in uh, this, uh, my class that I was teaching this morning, and one of the students said, well, well how, how do you know it was Canaan? It didn't really say Canaan, because when God spoke the promise to Moses, that the I mean to Abraham, that the, there would be a land that they would possess, Abraham was in the very land they were headed to. It wasn't an arbitrary thing. God told them that they were going to possess the land that Abraham was living in when he made that promise to him. So when Moses said, stand still, he was telling them, don't run. Don't get off the promise of God. Don't start turning away from what God said to your own strength. When we try to do things in our own strength, it just generally doesn't work out, particularly when there is no natural solution. Sometimes there are natural solutions, and God may lead us to those, or God may even let us make uh, figure out our own course and work with us in that. But in this case, and whenever God wants to do something really significant, there was no choice but to trust God. And so God says to them, stand still. But he's saying, stand 
on the promise of God. In the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, where Paul is talking in chapter 6 about the full armor of God, he says, finally, my brethren, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, this is another aspect of this because the devil will try and get you to get off your standstill. Hallelujah. The devil will try and push you to turn around. The devil will try and push you to take another uh, direction or look to other solutions. But God says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. God says there is an armor. There is something that we can put on, the word of God. And he goes on to describe that armor, and maybe someday we'll go through that armor and talk about it. But in this case, he's telling them that they have to stand because it is the enemy. It's the enemy that doesn't want us to go God's way. It's the enemy that wants us to back away from the purpose of God and the will of God. It's the enemy that's telling us to find some other solution because God won't do it for you. And so we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's not flesh and blood that we're dealing with. It's something else. It's another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness that's trying to defeat us and overcome us. Then he says in 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. That's the tough part. There are things we need to do. There are decisions we need to make. Uh, We need to follow the course of wisdom and listen for the voice of God in the midst of it. But sometimes we just, there are just natural things, bases that need to be covered. And in our case, one of those bases was, again, this man could not be asked to not have income for a whole month. And so I, this is, this was the direction I felt God told me to go. And so I had to cover that base. I had to make the decision while there was still time for him to get other work if he needed to. And so that's what I did. I went to the people. I didn't wait to the last minute. I went to the people early enough that we could make a choice, that we could see what God would do, that God would either confirm that there, that we were not in the right place or confirm that we were doing the right thing. And so we did that. When you, There are certain things sometimes you have to do in life, whatever it may be. I mean, maybe you know, you're praying for finances, but you need to go out and get a job. Maybe there are things family-wise, that uh, problems that you're facing, but you need to change how you treat your wife, your children, your husband. All kinds of examples and that we could come up with, but there are things sometimes in the natural that do need to be done. But when you've done all those things and there is no solution, There's nothing left to do. What must you do? You must stand. Having done all, stand. Having done all that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There may be an evil day. That looked like an evil day to Israel. But having done all, stand. What had they done? They'd followed Moses uh, in in uh, allowing him to lead them out of Egypt, they'd they'd followed Moses uh, and uh, at God's command to be where they were at that particular time. That's what they could do up to that time. Having done all, Moses says to them, "Stand still." Hallelujah. But he doesn't just say stand still. Now he goes on and he says something to them that's that's so powerful. He says, uh, "Fear not." Uh, stand still. Then he says, go forward. 
uh, and the Lord will fight for you. For the Egyptians that you see today, you shall see again no more forever. See, now God will give us both general promises or long-term promises. That's what they saw in the what God spoke to them about Canaan. But God will also give us short-term promises. We have a long-term promise that Jesus is coming back, but there are there is a book full of promises for whatever you're facing today, whatever you have to deal with right now. There is a promise of God in the Bible for that situation. You need to take some time. You need to find it. But that immediate promise is also part of what you're on. He didn't say stand still and maybe, you know, the Egyptian army will spare us or stand still and maybe something might happen. He said stand still and he said that there is something that God is going to do because you're not going to see this army anymore. Now, he didn't tell him how. That's the problem with God sometimes, isn't it? We want to know the how. How are you going to do this? There, there is no possible way. And they would never have thought of, oh, well, maybe God will dry up the Red Sea and let us go through on, on dry ground. Maybe God, and one of the things he did was cause that pillar of fire and pillar of spoke, smoke to be a boundary between them and the Egyptians. The Egyptians couldn't get through that pillar until God had parted the Red Sea and until they were all the way through on dry ground. And they would have never thought that, well, the Egyptian army is just going to follow us into this uh, parted Red Sea, and God's going to cause the Red Sea to come down on them and destroy that whole army. That's not something that would have been in their mind to think that God could do. I'll tell you, I had no thought when we were building that addition that somehow God was going to cause that woman's father to give her the money he owed her uh, when he had chosen and made a decision not to, but God knew that. God knew exactly that that phone call was going to come right after we made that prayer. And God knew what he was going to do. They didn't. And that's what made it so hard to stand still. We have promises. We have uh, long-term promises. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory is kind of a both. Philippians 4.19, kind of both long-term and short-term. He promises he's going to take care of me. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and everything you need will be added unto you. That's kind of both long and short-term. But God will speak to you specifically in your situation what he's going to do when you need to know. Sometimes he just does it, and that's kind of the way it was with us, but we actually got word that it was going to happen before it happened. So that was a promise. Long-term promise, God told us to build this building or build this addition, and he's going to provide for it. Short-term promise came when when I heard the news that uh, this man was going to have to give us this money. We didn't have it yet, but it was coming. So God will take care of you, but you cannot give in to fear. You cannot allow fear to control your actions and your decision-making. You might be afraid right now. You might be afraid, but you can't let that fear control you. One of the things you may need to do is get help from somebody else. Go to somebody and say, listen, I'm having a hard time believing right now. We are in a difficult situation, and I'm struggling with fear over this thing. Go get somebody to agree with you. Go get somebody to pray with you. Sometimes they can be the solution that you didn't know 
where it could come from. We had a situation with uh, our daughter came to visit us with her children and her husband, and her van kind of messed up, and and long, too long a story to go into, but we were able to step in and help them. And her husband was having a bit of a hard time with that. Well, you know, I'm serving God here. I'm doing the best I can to serve God. How come these things didn't work out? And, you know, the thing is, sometimes it's your father-in-law that comes in to be the solution. Hallelujah. God knew that we had the finance to help them, and uh, God knew that we'd be there when they needed us. So even though it looked a bit of a, like a bit of a problem, it turned out that God provided for them. Sometimes we just don't think the source is spiritual enough or supernatural enough, whatever it may be. Listen, we're all facing something, and we live in a world where there are difficult times right now. And I know I know in my heart that God has us right where he wants us to be. 2023 was a struggle in many ways, uh, spiritually, emotionally. And I don't mean a struggle emotionally, but, you know, we were, we were, we were going through and we were believing God and we were trusting God, but there we really sensed, I guess, the opposition. But when 2024 was approaching, something broke in my spirit, and I just believe this is going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year for us. It's going to be a good year for the body of Christ, and it can be a good year for you. Listen to the words of Moses. Number one, fear not. Don't be afraid. You don't have to fear. God's for you. Number two, stand still. Don't move in a direction you shouldn't go in. Certainly don't turn back. Don't turn, uh, he said to uh, to. Joshua, when Joshua took over in Joshua chapter 1, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your heart focused on Him. He's not going to let you down. I have served Him for more than 50 years, and I can tell you, in all that time, things have not always looked rosy, but God has never let me down, and He won't let you down either. Fear not. Stand still. Stand on the promise of God and see what God will do. Well, God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so via email at livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. God bless you and have a wonderful day.